How's everyone doing this morning? Great. It's great to be with you. I want to extend a warm welcome to you if you're here for the first or second time. I'm so glad you could be here, and I really pray that the Lord would just speak to you today. And uh, just before the service, I, uh, I climbed up on the hill before our, our, behind our house and just really encountered the presence of the Lord afresh. And uh, I believe that we are living in a days where God will pour His Holy Spirit out in a far greater dimension than we can ever have ever experienced before. I'm so glad that we're a part of it as a church. It's not just limited to one person or a select few, but those who are hungry for him, you'll find that he will come in a, in a way that uh, we've never experienced before. Uh, just during the week, uh, Pastor Hotawai and I, we, we travelled to Auckland and uh, just to set in place for the conference next year. And I believe that our, our, our connection with Apostle Maldonado uh, is just it's set up by God. And so we have confirmed, we have confirmed the Trust Arena in Henderson for the 22nd and 23rd of March next year. And uh, come on. <laughs> As I walked in there, I, I was reminiscing about the first time when I walked into the Pettigrew Green over here when the guys first came over here and they looked into this place and said, oh, this is way too small. Is any place bigger? And let's go, well, let's go to the Pettigrew Green Arena. And so we went over and looked over there, and we walked in there, and I thought, oh, this is big. <laughs> I had that experience again just during the week. Uh, going to the Trust Arena, I thought, oh, this is big. <laughs> but I'm believing that God will come in a, in a dimension of power. The church, uh, not just the church, but people all over the world are hungry for an encounter, for a demonstration of the power of God. And uh, it is my heart to see that happen. I can see in many places that churches have, have moved away from the demonstration of the power. And, uh, but I am believing that the church will arise. There is a remnant that are hungry for the demonstration of, of the presence and power of God. I love our young people who are just growing in that environment. It's just phenomenal. Uh, one of the things I brought out last Sunday was obviously step down and pray for some people. Uh, and then often God comes in left field when Peter when the, the boat was in the storm and, and, and Jesus appeared on the water. Sometimes Jesus appears and just left field. And it was just an amazing testimony. It's kind of a left field testimony, but I thought it was really cool to share. Is, is Peterina here this morning? Peterina, there you are. Come on up. Come on up. She's a head, she's a head teacher at our, our preschool. Go on, give her a big hand. She's an amazing woman. Microphone, microphone. How you doing? You look lovely this morning. Thank you. Yeah. Now I heard there was a testimony that you had in the in the preschool regarding a kitten. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking kitten. You heard it. <laughs> Listen, Amazing. One of the things in our preschool is we're really I love just hearing our kids down here, uh, listening to Joe and the teachers uh, bring them into the presence of God and teaching them and giving them an understanding of the reality of the supernatural. And uh, you want to just share just briefly what happened? So we have a kid, cat that comes over to preschool every day. Greg is his name. Well, we found out Greg is pregnant, right? <laughs> so Greg, we've turned up to preschool. Every day she comes over. So we turn up to preschool and we realised she'd had these kittens. So we went looking for them and she'd had them in the bark. It was a cold day. And there were two of them, you know, moving around. And there was one who uh, we assumed was dead. So anyway, we fussed over Greg and these kittens. We put them into the box that we'd organised for her. 
And um, we were fussing around her with the dead one. We um, got a box and we put tissue paper in it. Um, we put him into the office where we forgot about him and we fussed her over Greg and the live ones. Right, ready, you know, um, the children, we were going to have a tonguey for this kitten and everything later when the children <laughs> arrived. But Leighton was there. He's my grandson. Great kid, by the way. Um, Leighton was here and he wanted, after all this time, to look at the dead one. Sure, why not? So we got this dead one out, you know, and we let Leighton hold it, handle it, and the other children wanted to do the same because they're curious, and this is all part of learning. And so we let them, you know, and then eventually they gave um, the kitten back to me. So I'm thinking, and I said out loud, you know, Jesus um, brought someone back to life after four days. His name was Lazarus. Anyway, I go like this on the little heart, and then I place this kitten in my hand, put my hand over the body of it, and the head is just poking out. And I say to this kitten, and because I've read this book, The Awesomeness of Blessings, yeah. um, uh, I bless you with the life of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come alive. Well, it went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone see? Yeah! You know. And so... I thought, did anyone see that? And Layden's behind me going, because he's seen it, you see. So, yeah, so Miracle is your name. We're declaring she's a girl, and she's the biggest out of the litter, and she's the first one that opened her eyes, and Miss Debbie's going to take her home. How cool, eh? And that came from, you know, our supernatural conference, you know, moving and act we've been activated, you know, to move in the power and authority that God's given us. So that's what it is. Yeah. Kia ora. How about that? And uh, that's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for, our, uh, I believe for our teachers. I'm believing for every member in this church uh, from, from out the back there, out the front there with the little wee ones, that they can experience the supernatural power of God and, God is not limited by age, or it doesn't really matter if you're six months or uh, you only got six months to live. It just doesn't really matter where you are, that God's power can still uh, manifest. And I'm so glad that we're building a culture. I'm so glad for our, our preschool staff and also for our, our kids' ministries that they're raising a generation of kids who believe not just in their heads about God, but have a, a now faith. They have an experience of the supernatural. So I'm believing that as we move into Auckland, that we will pack that place out with over 5,000 people and there'll be a move of God that'll awaken. I'm believing especially amongst the indigenous people uh, where there's a hunger, where there's a thirst. Uh, it's not to say other people aren't hungry, but I'm just, God, God just moves where he wants to move. And uh, I just, I sense in my heart that right now, um, people are just needing a demonstration of the power of God. And saying that, I've got a couple of, um, couple of books. This is Apostles' uh, new book. Uh, it's called Divine Encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's only just been released, and uh, so uh, I only got two copies here, and uh, I'm just going to give them away. I'm going to give one to you. This is for you. You've got a great call of God upon your life. People have been praying for you, and the Holy Spirit spoke to you and brought you into this place, and I'm believing that in the days ahead, you'll encounter the Holy Spirit in a great way. Uh, I'm believing that God will use you to, to move in miracles and bring hope to many people. And Adam, where's Adam? Adam. Here, mate. I just want to give that to you. You're a great man. Made some great, powerful decisions. 
believe in your future and your family too. It's amazing. Have you got your Bibles with you this morning? Come on. Just need to move through this quickly. One of the things I felt uh, uh, just over the last period of time was about uh, how much people remain in a place of captivity. Captivity was different to bondage. It's kind of the same. But when we looked at Israel's history, uh, when they came into bondage in Egypt, but also when they came into captivity in Babylon, um, it was actually quite a defining uh, time in, there in the history of, of, of Israel and Judah. Just a, a phenomenal. The more you research it, the more you look into it, the more that you can see how much God used that time. One of the things I also see is that people have an awareness of God, but yet still remain in a place of captivity. People who are insecure, and captivity breeds insecurity. One of the things I brought out a few weeks ago, when people are in a place that are insecure in their soul, you'll find that somewhere in their life they're in captivity. In other words, uh, there's something in their mind, there's something in their belief system that has, uh, that has got them bound. And so Babylon was a place of captivity. It was also a powerful time in the life of Israel. One of the things at that particular time, Babylon was ruled by Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he, was, uh, he, was quite, he was a very powerful individual. He was very cruel at times. But nonetheless, there must have been something alive in his heart because eventually he responded to God. To a large degree, Babylon became a captivity of the mind and heart. So when, you, when the time came for it, when Cyrus came to release Israel, when he released Israel, there were those who... Who, who made the journey back, but there are those who remain behind. And one of the things I see is that uh, for many Christians, we're, we have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have given freedom through His Holy Spirit. We've got freedom through His Word. But so many people still remain today and choose to live in a place of captivity. They have an opportunity to go back to their own land, to come back to the place of promise, to the destiny that God has for them. But nonetheless, they still remain in captivity. They adopt the, the values of the world. They adopt the mentality of Babylon. It gets to a point where so, they enjoyed their captivity so much that they remain there. And, so I, and I'm believing that for many people, I see many people, we, uh, we often enjoy the parts of our life. We enjoy the things that end up keeping us captive. And then captive people end up bringing other people captive. And uh, so one of the things I see is that when people are in captivity, either God can use that as a place to redefine and reshape their future, or the same circumstance can cause other people to remain in captivity and decrease. Same circumstance, two different responses, two different outcomes. One of the things that we notice with, with Daniel, make no mistake, he was a captive. He was a captive, yet he increased in power through and influence through under three successive kings yet he was still a captive. One of the things I see today is that many of us experience, uh, where we have similar experiences where things don't go our way, where things don't work out, where the world around us either collapses or we've got, uh, we've, we, we're, maybe it's our job situation that has kept us in a place of captivity. There's just no movement. When you're in captivity, you, you just get stuck. And then when you remain in that place for so long, you can't think of anything else outside of that. I know people that, uh, in their mind, that they're held captive. They, and so one of the things I'm believing is that for us as a church, that the areas of captivity, maybe that we've gone used to, but yet still remain in captivity, those things will be broken and we'll come into a place of fulfillment that God has, what God has for our life. There is, it is not the plan of God that you and I remain in captivity. Nonetheless, people still do. 
We saw in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where Jesus said, this is the reason I have come, to set, to, to set those who are, who are oppressed free, those who are in bondage, but also those who are, who are held captive. And so one of the things I want to talk about today is, is, is the mentality that captivity can bring. And uh, so there were those who, uh, those of the Israelites who increased in power. So Daniel increased in power. And then the other, there's another group of people who, like the Bible says, who, who sat down by the rivers of Babylon. So the same circumstance. One increased in power. The other group of people, the Bible says, I think it's in Psalm chapter 135, and even there's a song written about it by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down, reminiscing of the good old days. We'll find that people, and wishing or hoping something could be better. Everywhere I see today, I see either people in a place of difficult circumstance, yet increasing in righteousness, increasing in influence, increasing in strength. Or I see people that can listen to the same message, have the same experience, but yet sit down by the rivers of Babylon, sit down, make their home in the place of captivity, and sing songs about how life used to be back here. Same people who are, have the same similar understanding of God, but yet it's two different outcomes. There's no one here today that's not going to go through a tough time. There's no one here today that hasn't experienced captivity in some form or another. Not one person. But you'll find that there are some people will respond. Some people will accelerate forward and come into a place of leadership and influence other people will sit down, fulfill the rest of their days, sitting by the rivers of Babylon, watching the water go by, reminiscing of the good old days. Reminiscing of previous moves of God. Reminiscing of how life used to be. Friends, if you remain in that place, you'll be held in captivity. But even though uh, you're in a tough time, even though you're in a tough environment, you can still be more than a conqueror. You can still have a a mentality that excels you forward. One of the things I find is that many people today, you've got to understand that the Israelites at that point of time were a defeated people. They were defeated. They were not, um, it wasn't just a matter of uh, a peaceful colonization or anything like that. No, they came with an army, captured them and took them away. They were, uh, they were a defeated people. And many people today still live with a mentality of defeat. Every one of us uh, at some point has been defeated by sin. Every one of us has some point, but Jesus Christ comes and he brings us, the Bible says he has won the victory. That means he has brought us out of a place of defeat. The question is whether we choose to believe that and walk in that, or we remain in a place of captivity. So many people, we can sing songs about the Lord, but yet over here, we remain in a place of captivity. We're still, in other words, we're still struggling with rejection. We still can't handle offenses. We still aren't big enough to embrace somebody that's different to us. (laughs) <laughs> same old things, the same old problems people are facing, the issue of poverty, the issue of not having enough, the issue of, uh, uh, even in our body, not being able to give expression or praise to the Lord. It's, it, it remains in a place of captivity. We know He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We know it here. But in our heart, we still remain in a place of captivity in our soul. And I'm believing today that God will help us, help us on the journey to break us out of the areas of captivity in which we live in. For some people, their captivity was this. They believe that God is a good father, but yet on the other side, believe that it's impossible for them to own a house. Yes, so, so they, they actually live in a place where they don't really believe. They only, the, the understanding of God is just head knowledge. 
I'm believing today that wherever you are in life, whether you're in your own home, whether you're struggling in this place or that place, that you would have a deeper understanding that God will bring you forward into the fullness of what God has called you to be. You may be thinking that you may not be smart enough. Friends, it's got nothing to do with what kind of education that you have. It's got to do with, are you open? Will you be responsive no matter what the circumstance you are in? Will you be responsive to the King of Kings? All you have to do is believe in your heart, not just believe in your head. Many people continue to live in a defeatist mentality in the shadow of defeat with no clear sign in their midst of God's presence and power. Here we have in, in Babylon, you will find the people of God, there are some people, they were overcome with the idea of captivity. They had no sense of God's presence or his power in that particular place or location. Their idea was that they were, God was an historic God. Their faith wasn't now. Their faith wasn't even faith. It was just wishful thinking. But I believe for us today, there's a different type. Of, there are some people who, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of where life isn't working so good, even, I mean, we're not talking about major captivity. Even if it's, a, if it's the issue about a, you're stuck in a job or you're stuck in a place, things aren't moving forward for you. You end up losing or losing sight of God's ever-present help you start to become conscious of the situation that you are in and not conscious of, yes, this situation might be like that, but God is still present. When I came and start, picked up this, this church, uh, one of the things I felt, I saw people leave. <laughs> I think, oh, God, are you with me or not? You said you're going to be with me. But I got, one pre I got one word from God and that the Lord had called me to this place and that I will be with you. So even though things were tough, even though things were, I, I was emotionally broken over certain things, in the midst of that, I could feel the presence of the Lord God Almighty. I could feel His presence. I could meditate on His Word, and I could feel the life come into me. So my encouragement to you is today, the outside can be negative, or the outside you can be against your will, but in the inside, you can make a decision, connect to the presence and power of God. There are people here, there are ministers of God in this place here who have an anointing on their lives to help you break out of captivity. But the moment that, 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 but the problem is people make a decision inside of their heart to remain seated by the rivers of Babylon, still contemplating and meditating on how bad life used to be. Wishing that things could be different, but don't know that actually God's presence is here and he's available to help you out. Many people choose to live in the place where the current state of affairs of, uh, is the norm. Their whole life is influenced by the voices of, of, of the humanistic voices of society around them. And today, right now in this world, there is a whole bunch of voices that are, caught, that are trying to influence the way people think. There are voices, there are doctrines that are presented that are, they are there to shift the way people think and to shift the mentality of people. And if you entertain that voice, you will find that you remain in a place of captivity. Life is, uh, as opposed to the voices of demons and doctrine of society, God has called us to live according to His Spirit and His Word. When you live and believe according to His Spirit and His Word, you will find that regardless of the circumstance externally, you will find that your life will just grow. You'll grow from strength to strength. You'll grow from faith to faith. You'll grow into a place of influence and leadership. Friends, society will, to will tolerate the church as long as we remain in a place where we can gather and hold the broken. 
But the moment where you start to challenge the norm, where you start to step up and drink from a different cup, that when you start to feed from a different word, when you start to speak or do something that is different to what society says that you should do, there you will find that there's a place of opposition. <laughs> but you're not called to remain in a place of brokenness. You're not called to remain in a place of defeat. It is not God's plan or His purpose that you remain where you are. He accepts you as you are, but does not expect you to remain as you are. God causes us to remain into a place of causes into a place of victory. There is no place in the church or a follower of Jesus Christ for a defeatist mentality. There is no defeat in Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. There is no defeat in Jesus Christ. You need to hear that. There is no defeat in Jesus Christ. You'll experience battles. Things won't go your way or the way you worked out. But there is no defeat in Jesus Christ. The Bible says rather than the defeated people that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ in Romans 8 verse 37. Ultimately, everything will serve His purpose to those that put their faith and to those who love Him. Everything will work out according to His purpose for those people who remain loyal to Him. Everything. That means everything. Regardless of any situation that we walk through in life, any situation that we find ourselves, whether it's our own doing or somebody else's doing, all things will work together for good, for His purposes. So even though the people of God were in a place of captivity, and it was tough for them, for many, for many of them it was tough, but yet on the other side of that, you'll find that God used that particular time to become a defining moment in Israel's history that we experience today. It all depends how people handle it. People are facing situations. People are facing issues of injustice today. We can, we can talk about that. You can, you can approach that one way, or you can approach it in a different way and say, Lord, I didn't, what's happened has happened, but at the end of the day, we put our hope and our trust in you, and we will live according not to the doctrine of injustice, but we will live according to the doctrine of truth that you bring. You will find if you do that, God will bring you up into a place of power and into a place of influence. God will bring you out of, a place of, uh, out of a place of captivity. Ultimately, everything will serve His purpose and good if we are committed to keep relationship with Him. In Romans 8, verse 28, it says, And we know, somebody say no. We know, we have knowledge. We have knowledge that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to His purpose. Not always our purpose. The word know, or the word know, means to have knowledge. The word know comes from the Greek word called epinosis. Epinosis means, the, means a higher sense of knowledge, or, 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 a, or, or a, um, it's the highest point of knowledge. There's a similar word, diagnosis. It's a different, it's a different way of being able to uh, understand knowledge. So if you look at this, uh, on one hand, Daniel was a captive. Make no mistake about it. He was forcibly taken from his home, now served now to serve Nebuchadnezzar. It was quite likely he was also made a eunuch. Somebody who, a, a man that has, has lost his... Uh, somebody help me out. Come on, this is the house of the Lord. I got in trouble for talking about that once. On one hand, Daniel was... In this place, but on the, on, on the other hand, he was, he was also strong in spirit and righteous in thinking. His friends also had a reputation of having an excellent spirit. There was something about 
how you know what you know. There is something about your knowledge of God that will bring you into a place of victory, even though the externals are not in your favor, even though you might have had something cut off, even though you've been carried away to a foreign land. You think you've got bad problems. It's not talking about just going to the doctor and giving you a little injection, having a cut. It, no, no, no. No, they use rocks. We want to talk about problems? We want to talk about your captivity? We want to talk about your tough job? See some things in perspective. This is the, this is the environment that Daniel was in. But all things, we know, we have knowledge that all things work together. So a lot of how Daniel worked out was what he was thinking in his mind, what he was thinking in his heart. One of the things we looked at uh, last week or the week before was that there were two things that Daniel did not touch on Babylon. One, he chose not to drink the king's wine, which talks about the spirit. Two, he chose not to eat eat the king's meat, which means doctrine. There were two things that Daniel did not, he made it, the Bible says he purposed in his heart not to do. He would not entertain the spirit that was behind Babylon, and he would not entertain the doctrine that was, or the way of thinking that was presented. Behind every system in the world today, there is a doctrine and there is a spirit. Everything. There is a set of beliefs. The doctrine will influence the way people think. You want to know... Uh, uh, how to, how to change the society where well, you can indoctrinate people. Indoctrinate people. You can change the way that they think. And when you change the way somebody thinks, whether for good or bad, you'll find that their life will flow according to their belief system. The other thing, too, is the spirit. Behind every system, there is a spirit. There is a, a spirit that will empower that. There could be a spirit of injustice or there could be a, a spirit of love. Behind everything, behind every... Uh, every system in the world, whether it's church or whether it's, there is a doctrine and there is a spirit. And you'll find with Daniel, one of the things he just purposed in his heart not to do, it wasn't by accident that he made a decision in his heart that he purposed not to drink of that system. He learned their culture. He engaged in it. He did everything, uh, most things that that culture involved in, but he did not drink of this wine and he did not drink of the spirit. In order to understand that, we also got to understand that the, the significance of that, what that meant in Babylonian culture. One of the things we, 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 we see in Daniel's life that is a result of not drinking that and not eating the king's meat, but meditating on the things of God, we find that he became a man of an excellent spirit. The excellent spirit came from somewhere. He tapped into a, the spirit of God. And that which was manifest out of his life, you can, say, you can see how it influenced him. One, it was the way how he handled himself. You can tell what spirit a person entertains by how they handle themselves in a place of conflict. You only have to watch social media to see how people, how they handle themselves in a place of conflict. They put the whole junk out in there. There's no way to handle conflict. There's no way everyone's going to find injustice. It's no way to handle injustice or no way to handle rejection or no way to handle pain is to put it out there on social media. Doesn't, I mean, Christians, you don't need to be doing that. That is not the right way. What you end up doing is you end up inviting other spirits who are of like spirit to come in and join you to empower the very thing that you're struggling with. If you are struggling with rejection, if, you, if, there's, a, if there's a place of captivity in your heart like rejection, listen, 
don't put it out there. Take it to the cross. Take it to Jesus Christ. Take it to the word. If you're facing injustice, the answers are in the, in the here. Jesus faced every injustice that you could have possibly imagine. Take it to the cross. Take it to Jesus. Don't put it, this is the right way to do it. When you do it the right way, you will find that you'll have an excellent spirit. You won't have to tell anybody. You'll have a reputation that there is something about your life that is outstanding from everyone else. You handle conflict differently. You handle your finances differently. You handle negative situations differently. doesn't matter how bad life has turned on you. doesn't matter whether you've lost your manhood or not. You can still hold yourself well. The way he handled himself, the way he treated other people. Even though he was in place of captivity, he could still treat other people well. Sometimes when people, even though are Christians, they come on one hand and lift their hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I love you, but yet they're struggling with some things in life and then take that out into other people. It's kind of like, that is not an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit means we can treat people well. I love the way our hospitality team treated the, our, our guests. It was just phenomenal. Deeply impacted. One of the things that was known about them was they had an excellent spirit. They loved the excellence that was demonstrated. The other thing that was demonstrated, the manifestation of an excellent spirit, was the manner in which Daniel served God. He didn't turn up late. <laughs> he served the Lord passionately. When you serve the person next to you, when you care for the person next to you, when you run a cell group, when you turn up the church, when you come to pray, when you serve the Lord in that manner, it tells me that you're not in a place of captivity. Some people still... They come, to the, they come to church, but yet they're still caught up in their own world. It's not necessarily an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit will show, it will be demonstrated over your life. One of the things I, 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 I'm believing for is that as we encounter and understand more of who God is, it will manifest different, our lives will become, manifest differently. The way that we hold ourselves, the way that we, we do our life, the way that we turn up, the way that we show ourselves, the way that we treat people, the way that we respond in negative situations will be that of an excellent spirit that says, hey, this person is a lot different. This person is 10 times better than anyone else. And as a result, the Lord elevated him. And his, his mind was, that was free. As long as his thinking was shaped by the knowledge of and from God, he had a righteous mentality. He had right thinking. He was an empowered man and remained in power under three successive kings. It was got, had nothing to do with luck. It had nothing to do with the fact that he was one culture or another. It had to do with this. It had to do with the fact that he had right thinking, that he made the decision, even though he was captive, to meditate on the Word of God and entertain the presence of God on a regular basis. It may sound very a simple thing, but every person could do that. If we made a decision, no matter what the circumstance, to entertain the presence of God on a regular basis, if we made a decision to keep our eyes fixed upon Him, if we make a decision to feed upon the Word of God and not the opinions of other people, you'll find that your faith will grow. You'll find that you'll come out of captivity. You'll come from a place of freedom to freedom. One of the things we find is that the culture of Babylon was about image. I'll talk about that another time. But the religion of Babylon was a system of mysteries, knowledge, and secrecy. Remember we talked about just before... Uh, about the knowledge of Christ, the type of knowledge. So one of the things about Babylon was this, that according to historians, to, this is the reason why he wouldn't drink of that cup. Because to drink, they had a, 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 a product there, it was called mysterious beverages. 
mysterious beverages. So there was something about the Babylonian culture that had to do with their wine. In other words, the whole religion that, that empowered uh, Babylon had to do with uh, knowledge, and had to do with secrecy, and it had to do with mysteries. There were three things that were part of that, a part of the Babylonian religion. And, and, and one of the things that people would, the way that somebody would grow in knowledge, the way that somebody would have the mysteries of the world revealed to them, was they had to drink of this cup, which is called the... You can see it through Daniel about the golden cup. So this is one of the reasons that, one of the reasons why Daniel did not drink that, because it was empowered, that the knowledge was empowered by a different spirit. According to the historians, to drink was to drink these mysterious beverages was mandatory to all those who sought initiation in, this, in mysteries. These beverages consisted of wine, honey, flour, and water, and they were of an intoxicating nature. So people would drink of this cup in order that they would gain knowledge, in order that they would gain an understanding of the mysteries. And if people wanted to increase, they'd have to drink from this cup. And one of the things you'll find that this is part of the Babylonian culture. You'll find that today, even in this world today, knowledge has increased. We're living in an age where people, intellectual knowledge is, is, is increasing far beyond what we could ever thought of even just 10 years ago. People are, are trying to unlock mysteries. There are still mysteries of the human heart that people are trying to unsolve. But one of the things we find is that people, in order to do that, to find answers, are drinking from a cup that is empowered by a different spirit. God has mysteries for us to understand. God has things for us to understand. There are, there are dimensions to God that we are still yet to understand. But make sure that we drink from the right cup. One of the things that Daniel did was he made sure uh, he did not drink from that cup because the knowledge that came that way was empowered by a spirit. You'll find that the knowledge that is coming into the education system, the, the doctrines that are coming uh, into different systems within you, in the world today, you'll find that the, that doctrine will come from a cup that is poison. What I'm believing for is our young people, our, our people in their church that would choose to drink from a, a true cup, they choose to drink from the, the well of the Holy Spirit and to feed on the Word of God. And you will find that your understanding will surpass the knowledge of the world. In the Babylonian system of religion, knowledge was only revealed to the initiated or those who drank from that cup. It was a secrecy around it. And you'll find that uh, in the same way that that same spirit still manifests today. Daniel chose to drink from a different cup, the presence of God. This gave him a knowledge and an insight that was superseded everything else in the kingdom. People are still searching for mysteries. People are still searching for knowledge and information. Having information is not the same as having knowledge. Daniel chose to drink from a different, different cup. You'll find that a person's life is largely influenced by their mentality or the quality of their thinking. Destiny is released or fulfilled by a person's mentality. The way that a person thinks about life will shape their decisions. The way that some, what somebody believes about life, the way, what somebody believes about God, who, who understands what God is or who he is, will have a profound effect on how their life will outwork. That's why knowledge is power. It's why many governments in some places will manipulate knowledge, will manipulate information. Why? Because they want to, they, they, there can be a shaping of the mentality. 
People's mentality is shaped about different people without ever, ever meeting them. People's mentality is shaped up towards different cultures. But it's largely shaped by the information that's been received. Not through the Word of God. Not through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is a spirit of reconciliation that brings people together, not pulls them apart. If you look at our age, intellectual knowledge has increased dramatically. In every field, there are experts. Even mentality and thinking has been shaped dramatically. The question is who and what is shaping it? Who and what is shaping your way of thinking about marriage? What is your who or what is thinking about shaping your thinking about God, about church, about, about people, about this color, about this? About, if you look even in the realm of education, sexuality and identity, you look at how far the mentality has shifted from where it once was a few years ago to where it is now. Somewhere, something is feeding that. And that mystery of sexuality will be, have a doctrine that's attached to it that will be presented through the education system that will shape the way our kids think. And that there will eventually shape their destiny. My question is what and who is shaping your thinking? Be careful of what you feed from. What well are you drinking from? What well are you meditating? Are you meditating? Are you drinking from the well of social media? If you drink from the well of social media, you'll find that your mentality will be shaped by the opinions of groupthink. And there is a way that seems right to man, yet its end is in destruction. That's why Daniel purposed in his heart, he was careful about what well he would drink from and what doctrine he would entertain into his life. Because at the end of the day, that's what shaped his life. Knowledge, epinosis, is a deep, sanctified knowledge. It comes, there's a knowledge that is learnt and a knowledge that has come to us. Results in a behaviour and lifestyle change that is righteous and honouring. The knowledge that comes to us from God, the rev- which is, the knowledge that comes to us from God is revelation. It didn't just, like Jesus said to Peter, how did you know this? No one taught you that. But how did it come to you? revealed it to me. So one of the things that we need to do, and I'm just kind of running out of time right now, but there is a knowledge that you can learn, but there is a knowledge that can come to you. And that knowledge that comes to you from God is revelation. The Bible says that man shall not live on bread bread alone, but every word or revelation that comes out of the mouth of God. Uh, It's the revelation that produces faith. It's the knowledge of who God is and what he has already done which produces faith inside of our life. Otherwise, it's just hope and just good confessions. But faith comes when you know God, when you have an understanding of who He is, when you hear His voice. When you hear His voice, it brings faith into your life. That's why it's important that we entertain His presence. In Isaiah 5 verse 13, He says, My people have gone into captivity because they have lack of knowledge. It's not something intellectual. It's not that you know a whole bunch of things, but it's a revelation of who God is. I believe that we're coming into a time where knowledge of a different kind will come into the church. Understanding of God in a different way will come into the church. In Habakkuk 2 verse 14, he says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. I believe that God is going to raise up a generation of people 
who is going to be different from the world, that will have an excellent spirit, that won't entertain the spirit of the world, they won't entertain the doctrines of the world, yet in the midst of opposition, they will make a decision to say, Lord, I put my hope and my trust in you. I will feed on your spirit. I will feed on your word. I will allow your words to continually come into my life. I will meditate on your words and on your spirit day and night. One of the things that we find is when Solomon asked for discernment, when, when, when Solomon asked for a greater understanding of who God is, everything changed for him on that day. Everything changed for him. I believe that we're coming into this season where God will reveal more of himself. When you, friends, when you understand who God is, when we, when we say we believe God, we believe in God, we, but we say that he's a great God, but yet our actions reflect something different. The question is, do we really know who he is? We sing our songs when we come to church, when we come into his presence, when we really believe that the presence of God comes, is there when there's two or more gathered together in his name. Isn't that worthy of giving a 100%, 110% to him? When we truly believe on who God is, when we have a revelation of true revelation, a progressive revelation of who God really is, you'll find that your life will not just be the same, that your hunger will arise. You won't be able to hold yourself back. When you understand that when you come into the presence of the Lord God Almighty, there is something about his presence that just causes you to respond. I love it. And just finishing now, where Paul said in Philippians 3, that what things were gained to me, I counted for loss. I count all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ or the progressive revelation of Christ. I can't stand where I am, where I am today. I can't live the rest of my life just with the knowledge I have of Christ right now. Every day, every day from this day forward, I want to increase an understanding of who he really is. He says, all of these things were just rubbish for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he goes on in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Friends, I don't want to just know him from my, from my head. I want to know him from the bottom of my heart. I want to have a relationship with him like Daniel did. Friends, there was no reason why any person here cannot have a relationship with God like Daniel did. Even though in the midst of trials, even in the midst of captivity, you will find that he put his faith and he put his hope in Jesus Christ. The knowledge of who he had of God started to increase. When people don't have, uh, when people get settled in their revelation or they, they stop hearing the voice of God, they stop praying, they stop reading the word, they stop, uh, stop fellowship and they come to church late. They come to church and just don't give themselves to God. Don't enter into relationship with him. You'll find after a period of time, you'll slip back into a place of captivity. You'll slip back into a place where you've, your growth in God has is, is, is become stunted. But I believe there is a generation of people that God is raising up that is stirring their hearts to pursue Him and to know Him more. The thing about Daniel was what drove him was to pursue Him, to know Him, that I may know Him, that I may know His presence. The greatest thing that we could ever do is to know God better come into a deeper relationship with Him. We will never see an outpouring of His Spirit upon our lives. If we choose to remain, we just become complacent in our walk with Him. Friends, I believe in this season, 
let's make a decision in our heart. This morning when I stood up on the mountain and I was just reading over this, that I may know God, that I may be found in Him. I started to realize how, much, how little I knew of God. I knew a little bit. But there is so much more to His mercy. There is so much more to His grace. There is so much more He wants to talk to you about. There is so much more He wants to do in your life. There is so much more. There are things that He wants to talk to you about in your heart. But when you stop entertaining His presence, when you stop praying, when you stop reading, when you stop fellowshipping with Him, you'll find that things will start to grow cold. But if we choose to come into a place of fellowship, I believe that we will experience the greatest outpouring, that God will lift us up. God will raise up young people in this place who may not be intellectually sharp, but yet they'll be filled with the knowledge of Christ. They'll have a wisdom that surpasses anything that the world has. Now that's the generation that we're believing to raise. I'm believing that our church will be filled with people who uh, come from all sorts of different backgrounds, but I can tell you now they've experienced the person of Jesus Christ. And when we experience the person of Jesus Christ, we can bring that hope into the world around us. I believe we're in the greatest hour, our finest hour right now. God is calling us into fresh intimacy with Him. To know God means to be intimate with Him. I believe today God's calling us into a fresh place of intimacy, a fresh relationship with Him. The effect of that, God will raise us up. Why don't you just stand to your feet and just lift your hands. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. How do we get this type of knowledge? The Bible says that it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord. A deep reverence to the Lord. Deep reverence is when we come into intimacy with Him, when we understand who He really is. That He does set up governments. He does pull it, that the whole earth is as He holds everything in His hand. Even Nebuchadnezzar came to a point where he fell on his face before the earth. The most powerful man in that world at that time fell on his face before the Lord and said, truly, that you are the one true God, the Lord of the heavens and the earth. God had to remove his pride in order for him to come to that place. Today, Lord, we come into your presence. We come into the presence of the great I Am, the Lord God Almighty. Come and just become aware of his presence right now. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. Jesus, we honor you today. We long for your presence, Jesus. Come into our lives afresh. Fill us afresh, Lord. If you're here today and you've, your faith has gone cold, you, you've forgotten, you're reminiscing, you're sitting by the rivers of Babylon, reminiscing of how things used to be, make a decision today in your heart that you'll connect with the living God. He's a, he's a God of now. He's a now faith. If you need to come to the front, if you need to 
lift up your hands and do something to respond to His presence today. Do what you need to do to respond. Don't leave this place and not do, no, not give any response. He's a great God who commands a response. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Come and let's just worship Him right now. hands and just worship them this morning. speak into our hearts afresh. Lord, that you would reveal to us more of who you are. Lord, today we are hungry for you. Lord, we are, our faith has gone cold. Where we have drawn back from you. Where we have stopped praying. Where we have stopped giving ourselves in worship. Where we have stopped reading your word. Where we have stopped entertaining your presence, Lord. Lord, that the fear of the Lord come and fill our hearts again. Lord, let a fear, let a reverence for you come and fill this house again. Let a holiness arise in your people again, Lord Jesus. Father, we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let it be established on this earth now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship Him one more time. For thine is the kingdom. Yours is the key. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory.
I thank you for every household here. Lord, I thank you for every every life, every person, young and old in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for the great plans and the great purposes that you have for us. We know, Lord, we in our mind, many of us, but Lord, let us know in our heart today that all things work together for good. That Lord, that you can orchestrate any situation to work according to your purposes. Lord, I pray today for every person here, wherever they are in their journey with you, that you would come and that you would speak to them today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Reveal more of God to us. Reveal more of your presence today. Lord, I speak and release your blessing of every household here today. I call every person forward into your plans and your purposes today. In Jesus' name. Father, today, Lord, let your angels come and minister to every household, every individual. Lord, let your oil from heaven come and minister today in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak your blessing today upon every household. I pray today, Lord, that courage, that faith would arise. Lord, that an excellent spirit would be known amongst your people, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Father, today we make a decision. We choose to drink from your well today. We choose to drink from your spirit afresh in our lives. We choose today for hunger after truth, the truth of your word, Lord. We hunger after you afresh today. And we believe for a great and mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon our lives, upon this church, upon this region. Lord, use us today to bring people out of captivity. Lord, I pray that you will use us as a church to bring people out of captivity into a place of hope, into a place of freedom, into a place where your kingdom is manifested into this place in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, one more time, all God's people said, come on, one more time, let's give God the glory.